One of the toughest decisions I've ever had to make in my life was the decision to leave my partner. After the toxic first year of our relationship, we had grown into a healthy couple with a vision to become wives in a marriage that we once believed would glorify God. We had become so intimately connected and developed a bond so strong that it was impossible to imagine sharing our lives with anyone else. There were no plans to marry anyone else. We were going to be married and our marriage would prosper in every way. Within a few months of dating, she and I were engaged. We were confident that we had finally found the one that we would spend our lives with. And so we didn't feel the need to wait and see what else would be. Unfortunately, as time passed and my crazy started to manifest, it was evident that getting married would be one of the stupidest things to do. Then the change happened and our love was so strong and life was so happy that we got engaged again. And this time it was for real. Our second engagement happened after the federal law passed, affording gay couples the legal right to marry anywhere in the United States. So not only were we in a better state of being, we now had the constitutional freedom to get married anytime we desired. Despite the lack of support we had from our Christian families, we discussed our wedding plans and decided it was finally time to get married. Our relationship was at its peak, and it was then, at this incredible time in our love life, that God called us away from each other. It was time for our relationship to end so that we could be aligned with God's will for our lives, up to and including terminating our lesbian partnership. It was a hard decision for both of us, but we made it by faith, believing that God would meet our needs, whatever they were, in the time that we struggled and in the future that lay ahead. That's a few paragraphs from my book, Own Your Singleness, How to Live Well and Thrive While You're Single So You Can Love Well and Thrive in Your Future Marriage. When I was writing that chapter, my partner and I had gotten back together. We reinstated our relationship with the same vision to be married again and This time we were more vision-minded. We had specific practical goals that we wanted to accomplish before we got married. Um, More so she did than I did. And I was still torn between the life that we had together and the life that I appeared to have working with Live and Love Enrichment. And even though I felt torn, I persisted in developing my coaching programs and my relationship training program. And I continued writing the book because I felt like it was all for God's glory. And I felt like at the right time when things were going well, I guess, I would be able to either settle into our relationship and accept it as just a part of my life and that God would have mercy and would allow me to include my partner in this endeavor that I believe he gave me, or I was going to forsake God. And if, if, for lack of better words, I was going to turn away from God so that I could be with this person who loved me dearly. And so while I would love to say that I had this perfect romantic story of being a Christian, quote unquote, ex-lesbian, I don't have that story. In fact, I don't even have a typical lesbian story to begin with. Nevertheless, I feel like I should share my story with you if nothing else, so that it encourages some of you who are struggling with all kinds of issues. It doesn't have to be lesbian. It can just be anything. But um, specifically, if you identify as lesbian or even bisexual and you've been struggling um, with that because you're a Christian and, and you can't seem to reconcile how you can be a Christian and be a lesbian, then I want to really speak to you because that is a war that I've been in for the whole of my relationship with this person that I love so dearly this person that I was engaged to (laughs) three times. So um, that's what this podcast is about. I'm just going to be vulnerable, transparent, and 
I'm going to do that in the hopes that it encourages you, edifies you, educates you, and inspires you. Welcome to the Own Your Singleness podcast. I'm your host, life coach, and relationship educator, Jessica Hutton. And every week on the show, we are going to talk about all things related to living and loving well. Specifically, we will talk about how to own your singleness, overcome barriers to creating a life you love, and how to nurture healthy relationship patterns that will enable you to get, keep, and love quality men and relationships that could lead to marriage. I think the easiest way to tell the story is just to go back to the beginning. So I met my ex at church. She had been a member there for several years before I came to the church. And while I was there, I dated a whole bunch of people. I think I mentioned that on uh, my first podcast, actually. I was just like one of those people I had. I dated everybody. So I dated several people in the church. But just maybe a year before we left the church, she and I got into a relationship. And we had a good relationship, but it didn't start that way. It started where I was just very toxic. I had very destructive and toxic behavior patterns. Um, Many of the horrible behavior patterns I had learned in previous relationships or that I had used in previous relationships, I carried over into my relationship with her. And so I was an abusive partner. I was physically violent. I was um, aggressive. I was mean. I was a user, you know. Um, I took advantage of her in every single way. I didn't respect her. I never contributed anything to her. It's like I didn't appreciate her. Nothing she did was good enough. If you just thought about all the stuff that people do to jack up a relationship, I was either doing it or creating habits that would then eventually result in me doing those things. So our relationship at first was just, it was a disaster. The first year was just a complete disaster. I don't even know how in the world she put up with me for that long, especially since I was her first relationship ever. This woman had been alive on the earth for four decades and never dated anybody in her life. I'm still amazed by that. And then the first partner she got was crazy. I was legit crazy. I mean, I'm talking about jail records, but I already had jail records before I met her. The point was I I was toxic. I introduced trauma to her life. I was dramatic. I was destructive. And I just inflicted physical, emotional, mental harm on this person. And it was so easy for me to do. Meanwhile, I was saying that I loved her and I wanted to be with her and I wanted to marry her. Well, as I talk about in my book, Own Your Singleness, I talk about my journey, how after one toxic night when I had spent the whole evening drinking margaritas, hanging out with friends at a bar, and I got drunk off of pictures of margaritas, that I went home and I guess I went in this rage and destroyed everything, destroyed the house, and apparently I had tried to kill her. Now, mind you, I was so drunk, I didn't even know all this. Like, I remember destroying different rooms in the house, but I don't remember attacking her, and I certainly don't remember trying to kill her. And the only reason I found out that that's what happened is because the next morning, I'm sleeping in a separate bedroom, and then I'm going to go 
you know, greet her in the morning and the bedroom door is locked. And I'm like, what the heck? Why is she locking doors? And um, she wouldn't let me in. And then come to find out after she opened the door, she just looked horrified. She looked horrified. She looked scared. And she looked at me like I was a stranger. Like I was just somebody who broke into her house and created hell, caused hell. And um, when I saw that look, and when I saw the evidence of all the destruction that I had done in that house, I was horrified myself. And something snapped on the inside of me. It's like, you need to change. I would love to tell you that my desire to change was 100% because I loved her and I wanted to be better for her. But the truth is, I think the main reason I wanted to change is because this was a pattern of behavior for me that I had lived out for the last six, seven, eight years of my life. I was fighting most of my exes. And if I wasn't physically fighting them, I was cussing them out. You know, I was destroying their cars. I was destroying their houses. I was destroying their apartments. I was, you know, I was just a very destructive, violent, angry, rage-filled person. And so I would love to say that, you know, seeing her horrified is what motivated me to change. But I just really got sick of myself. And then just seeing the way she looked at me in a way that she'd never looked at me before, I think that just settled it in my soul that I needed to change that day. Also, to add insult to injury, the fact that I didn't even remember I did all that, I'm causing all this damage and don't even remember I did it because I was so drunk. Since I'm broke and I ain't got a job, there's nothing I can do to fix any of the damage that I caused in the house. So I was embarrassed. I was ashamed. I was sad. I was disappointed in myself and I was sick of myself. Honestly, I don't remember when I finally prayed and asked God to help me. And if any of you've ever drunk before, you know that it's a miracle when you wake up from drinking that much. But you also, in addition to being hung over, it's still it's like you still feel drunk. And so like you can still you can still have the effects of being drunk even though you're not drinking. So what I'm trying to say is I don't even remember a lot of stuff that happened after I had the revelation that I needed to change. All I know is that that's what occurred to me in my heart. And then it's almost like this blank period of my memory whereby all I remember is putting forth effort to change. And so that's when I began to focus on becoming a better person. And while there were some things that she needed to change. There was some growing that she needed to do. There were some habits that she needed to break. I was less concerned about her habits and her growth. And more. I was really just focused on me. I needed to learn how to live well. And one of my motivations was so that I could love her well, which is where live and love well comes from, if y'all didn't know that. That means everything that was important to me, every dream, every goal, every prayer that I had on my mind, everything that I had hoped, wished, prayed would happen in my life, I started acting on all of it. So when we got together, the beginning of the relationship, I was in undergrad. Since I had spent most of my young adult life partying, playing around, getting drunk, kicking it every single night. It took me 10 years to complete an undergraduate degree. So when she and I got together, I was in my 10th year. And since I was sick of being in the process of being an undergrad for so long, I did finish my undergraduate degree despite being a toxic person at the time. But then when I was working on my undergrad, I realized that I did want to go to graduate school. I was introduced to social work and that's the path that I took. And 
academically from that day forward, it was like smooth sailing. I flourished in school. You know, I did well in my master's program. I was an exceptional student. I got exceptional grades. Meanwhile, my life satisfaction and my well-being was going up because I was enjoying learning. I was enjoying interacting with different people. I was enjoying doing something that felt meaningful to me. And I enjoyed the idea of doing something that I felt like was going to contribute to the long term and that would eventually make me an asset to my partner, to my relationship. So I became a happier person, became a healthier person, and I became more prosperous in my soul and physically in all these different ways because I was adding value to myself, which enabled me to add value to my relationship. So even though there were still some kinks that she and I were working out, our relationship got better. I remember the first time that we had a discussion about something that before would have caused me to throw a coffee cup at her face. I remember distinctly us sitting on the couch and we were having a heated discussion. And I don't know what the topic was about, but I do remember we were having a heated discussion and I felt my heart racing. I felt my body getting hot, but I didn't act out in a violent, rage-filled way, nor did she. Instead, we just kept talking and we started, we were communicating effectively. We were communicating like adults who had respect for each other. We communicated like people who liked each other. We communicated like people who actually wanted to solve a problem. And it just blew my mind. But I didn't say nothing, you know, because I'm just, you know, I'm not going to tell her. Do you see how well we're doing this? But What made it special is she acknowledged it because it touched her heart. And she said, we've never talked like this. You've never been calm about something like this. And she said to me that she could see that everything I was learning in my graduate program was working. So I had my mind focused on my career. While I was pursuing my social work degree, all I was focused on was the career I was going to pursue after that and the money I was going to make. I was not thinking about how any of that applied to my real life, but somehow I was still using those skills in my relationship. And then it had a positive impact because not only was I able to apply those skills in the relationship, but my partner recognized the skill and she appreciated it. So from that moment forward, I was very intentional about learning and applying various skills from social work and just engaging diverse people in the social work programs that I was in and working with clients in my relationship because I knew if I was intentional, if I had learned and I was intentional about learning and intentional about applying these things, that I was going to improve the quality of our love life. I was going to improve the quality of my relationships with most people. And so from that moment forward, I had a narrow vision. Not only am I going to have a great career, make good money, but I'm about to make this relationship work because I owe her because I jacked up a lot of stuff. And even though I'm still not in a financial position to pay her back for all the damage that I physically caused to her house, I can pay her back in love. I can love her past the pain that I caused. And that was my vision. After I focused on getting my graduate degree, I graduated. Our relationship was getting better and better. We fought about sex life all those different things. And then I became more intentional about that. And so our sex life improved dramatically in this incredible way. And and even my relationship with God, I became intentional about that. Every single thing in my life, I became intentional about, which is where live comes from. It says live intentionally, victoriously, 
and excellently. That's where that comes from. So I became intentional about every domain of my life. And that resulted in experiencing victory in my relationship. That resulted in excellence in my relationship. That that resulted in improving my life satisfaction, improving my faith, improving my well-being, improving and maturing me as a person. My mindset was changed. My behaviors changed. My beliefs changed. I literally became the type of partner that I wanted to have. And even though there were so many things that she was stronger in or better in, if you will, there were there were a lot of qualities that I had that helped her become a better person. And so this exchange taking place between us, just me being better and being intentional about it and actively working to be a better person and to love her better, she started to do those things herself. So we became these really incredible women, which then resulted us in us having a really incredible relationship. I don't know how long the process took. So a graduate degree for a master's degree is about two years. The first year of our relationship was toxic. I was in the graduate program for my master's degree for two years. I would say maybe it took two years for us to work through 85% of our issues. But that 85% was incredible. That 85% took our relationship to a whole nother level. And... Honestly, whether people believe it, like it, or can accept it, my spirituality, my faith in God, my relationship with God went to a whole nother level. I'm in a whole relationship with a whole woman, but my relationship with God just excelled. So I'm getting closer and closer to God while I'm getting closer and closer to my lesbian partner, which is why we got engaged again. And that's where I highlighted in my book that that's when the federal law passed that allowed gay people to get married anywhere they wanted to in the country. And the truth is, when our relationship got to that high place, there's nowhere else I would have wanted to be. There's no one else I would have wanted to be with. She and I had settled that for us, there was no one else. And we didn't have support from our families because both of our families are Christian. And so they they never co-signed. They never acknowledged. I mean, we didn't even get the benefit of being disrespected or talked about or, you know, berated or nothing like that. They just act like we were both invisible. So my family, except for the gay people in my family, my family acted like she wasn't, didn't exist. And her family did an even better job of acting like I didn't exist. So we literally had no support from family. And nevertheless... We persisted in our relationship and we were determined to get married. While all this is happening, but especially after my relationship with God was getting progressively better, I was going through a war in my soul and in my spirit. And the war was between my desire to maintain this relationship with somebody I love so dearly, who is so good to me, someone who's better than good to me, and my desire to maintain my relationship with God, who is better than better than good and who is goodness and who's been kind and merciful and patient with me in spite of all the horrible, horrendous things that he knows I've done. And so I just couldn't shake that war. I didn't struggle with being lesbian. I don't have that testimony. It wasn't like, you know, God, you made me this way. You know, God needs to accept me. I never had that typical story that people hear like, you know, I knew I was gay since I was two years old type of stuff. I didn't have that. I wasn't a woman who lusted for every girl that I saw. I didn't feel like women had a hold on me. It was nothing like that. I've dated men and women. And I think it was just because I just dated who I liked. I dated who I wanted. 
and I dated who wanted me. And so while I had a genuine attraction to women and I did enjoy being with them, I didn't have this. It wasn't this internal battle for my identity, which a lot of LGBT people have. The ones specifically who who are Christian or who don't want to be gay. I didn't have that because lesbian was never my identity. Bisexual was never my identity. And if I was going to go deeper, heterosexual wasn't my identity. I just I just had a lesbian partner. I would no, I was in a lesbian partnership, but it didn't make me who I was. And that's a whole nother topic. So I didn't wrestle with those type of issues. The issue was, I believe the Bible, which basically says gay is not God's way. And yet I love this person and our testimony, our lives together didn't seem, our relationship didn't seem to be abominable in any way. In fact, our relationship was better than most of the people's relationships that I knew. That means people in the church, our relationship was better than them. People in my family, our relationship was better than theirs. People in her family, our relationship was showed up better than theirs. Literally, we had the best relationship of everybody we knew. And honestly, to this day, if she and I were still together, I would still say our relationship was better than all them people. And most of them people identify as Christian. So there was no evidence of sin in the sense that Christians have been trained to believe that if you live in a state of sin, then all your life is going to be jacked up. Everything in our life suggested that God affirmed and approved our relationship. So to terminate it didn't make any sense. It didn't make any practical sense. And from the outside looking in, especially someone who identifies as LGBT or for people who are gay allies or LGBT allies, it wouldn't make sense for us to break up because we have the type of relationship that they, some people wait a long time, a lifetime to ever have, especially LGBT people. They wait a long or a lifetime to have the kind of relationship that she and I had. And so for me to have this struggle about should I stay or should I go and the going has to do with going God's way would make people uncomfortable because it's like what are you doing you need to live your truth but see that's the thing the truth was I was a Christian and the truth was that Jesus Christ said that he's the way the truth and the life and I couldn't reconcile how I could be a Christian woman filled with the Holy Spirit and she is too to this day We both filled with the Holy Spirit, led by God, hearing from God. God is working in us, through us, blessing us. Just, I mean, God, you would would think that we are the two that God put together that no man could tear asunder. And yet I couldn't reconcile being a Christian person and being in this lesbian relationship that scripture says is not right. I couldn't achieve peace. And the only time I I felt a false sense of peace is when I just said, you know what? I'm done with God. Because basically the way I saw it, the only way that I could truly be 100% happy with her is if I denied God. And there were many times in our relationship, especially toward the end, where I didn't talk to him no more. I would go months, no praying, didn't fast. 
I didn't want to hear no Bible stuff. I didn't want to hear nothing about Jesus. I didn't want to talk about it. And she and I talked about Jesus all the time. But I would be so turned off. I didn't want to deal with it because what she didn't realize is if you keep telling me about Jesus, Jesus is going to pull me away from you. He's not going to do it. I'm going to be drawn to him, which is going to pull me away from you. And so I just needed Jesus off my head. But every time I just knew I was going to be done with him, I would feel this pull from the Holy Spirit. He would speak to me. He would give me revelation. He would give me scripture. And I'm not talking about that stuff that Christians try to use on gay people where they beat them over the head with a Bible and, you know, you're an abomination. I'm not talking about that crap. That's not how God draws us anyway. That's a whole nother podcast. I'm talking about reminding me of his love, reminding me of his mercy, reminding me of the purpose and plan that he has for my life, reminding me of my responsibility to submit to him. So I had this struggle, this internal war between my soul and my spirit, your soul being your mind, your will, your emotions, and your spirit, which is of God. And I just couldn't achieve peace. So I broke up with her. Then we got back together and I broke up with her. Then we got back together and I broke up with her and we got back together. And the last time we got back together was when I had just begun my life coaching program. I was learning how to be a life coach and it felt so inconsistent. I I felt like God was saying to me, how are you going to be a Christian life coach? You refuse to give your life to me, but I stayed with her. I stayed with my partner that whole time I was in the coaching program. The program is about 16 weeks. And I think about week 14, I couldn't take it no more. It was, it was like the closer I got to the end of that life coaching program, the more and more and more I felt this pressure in my spirit to let it go because I felt like God was saying, you must let this go because what I have for you, you can't take this with you. This I will not bless. You will not be blessed anymore if you persist in this. And so I broke up with her and it was horrible. It was a horrible feeling and I was sick and I was upset. And this time I was pissed off at God. I was pissed and I told him, I finally just got frank. And I'm like, are you kidding me? This is the best person I've ever known in my life. We have the best relationship I have ever experienced, let alone witnessed in my life. This person is good to me. This person is better than good to me. And you, because of your arbitrary rules, have decided that we can't be together. How dare you? How can you do this to me? What are you going to do for me if I give up the love of my life for you? And then I was reminded of the voices, the world that tells you, you just need to live your truth. You need to live your truth. And I was like, okay, I I came to this crossroads. Like, are you going to live your truth? And even though it sounded good, even though I just prayed that transparent prayer to God that some people might say is disrespectful, I still couldn't make myself say, I'm going to live my truth. First of all, because it didn't feel like my truth. But secondly, because the thing that kept occurring to me is Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. How can I live my truth and say that he's the truth? The truth is the word of God. Jesus is the truth. He releases the spirit of the truth and the spirit of truth has already made it clear. I cannot live this way continually stay in this way. First John 1 9 says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive them. But see, the thing is, you have to 
you're confessing sins that you've forsaken. You are going to forsake those sins after you confess them. Being in a lesbian relationship was not my only sin, but that's the thing that I was being dealt with on. I can't persist in pursuing the things of God without submitting my whole self to God. And that was the pool. That was the pressure that I was feeling in my spirit. And so while it took me some time to not be upset and angry with God, I just knew that if I'm going to go with Jesus, who is the truth, there's no way I can live my truth. And then Jesus is the way. If I'm living my truth, then that means I'm doing things my way. That doesn't align with scripture. And it says that Jesus is the life. If I'm trying to live my own life, then I'm not doing things God's way. There's scripture for all this. In Luke 14, 26 and 27 of the Amplified Version, it reads, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life in the sense of indifference to or relative disregard for them in comparison with his attitude toward God, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross, expressing a willingness to endure whatever may come, and follow after me, believing in me, conforming to my example and living, and if need be suffering or perhaps dying because of faith in me, cannot be my disciple. When you follow Jesus, you do so with understanding that you're going to lose some things. You're going to lose some relationships. You're going to lose some experiences. You're going to lose some habits. When you follow Jesus, you are dying to yourself so that you can live in him. The Bible tells us that it's in him that we live, move, and have our being. If Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, then our life comes from him. He is the source of our life, which means we cannot be a Christ follower and continue to live our lives our way. We have free will. We can do whatever we want to do. But if we say that we live for Christ, then that means we die for Christ, which means we have sacrifices. We make sacrifices and... If we are unable to let go of the people, the things, the experiences that are important to us for the sake of Jesus, then according to him, we're not worthy of following him. We are not his disciples. As much as my soul, my mind, my will, and my emotions would have liked to give up on my relationship with God so that I could have my partner, I couldn't achieve peace. I couldn't achieve peace. In my relationship with anybody, I want peace. God has called us to live in peace. And it didn't matter that externally, circumstantially, romantically, everything seemed to be working just fine between us. We seemed to be in this really good place. And I was so happy and and thankful for that. I wasn't happy because I didn't have peace. But I was thankful and grateful for what our relationship had become. But I knew it wasn't God's best for me because God's best for me would include his peace. God's best for me would include his affirmation and his approval and his blessing. And that's not what I was getting. I remember hearing a few words on a YouTube and those words caused me to pray to God and ask him a very sincere question. And I was asking him about marriage, the favor of the Lord. And I don't remember the specific prayer, but I asked him, Lord, if um, I asked the Lord if he would bless my marriage with this woman and if he would bless us with the favor of God and I explained why I explained why our relationship was good and why it seemed evident that God's favor was on us I was cleaning the tub at the time and then I got two scriptures I I heard I sensed 
that God was giving me two scriptures and he gave me Leviticus 18.22 and Proverbs 18.22. Now I'm scrubbing my tub and I'm like, Leviticus 18.22, that ain't no daggone scripture. Where'd that come from? <laughs> and I really did think that. I was like, okay, Jessica, I wish you would read the Bible. I was like, that ain't no scripture. So I just kept scrubbing my tub. I was like, okay, I'm just going to scrub because I'm making up scriptures now. And then I couldn't get it off my head. So I, I washed my hands and I opened my Bible. And sure enough, there's Leviticus 22. And it was talking about, I believe it says something about man shall not lie with another man as a woman, for that is an abomination unto the Lord. And then Proverbs 18:22 says, a man that finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains the favor of the Lord. The Holy Spirit literally answered my complete question. The whole question. I wish I could remember the exact thing that I asked the Lord, but I do remember he answered the exact question specific to the thing that I prayed. And I know it was the Holy Spirit because I thought Leviticus 18:22 was an imaginary scripture, but we know biblically that the Holy Spirit brings back to your remembrance the word of God or he can just give it to you like divine because I sure enough didn't map out Leviticus 18:22. why the heck would I do that if you rolling as an LGBT person you ain't trying to hear all that so I know that the Lord spoke to me and then I knew he was telling me Jessica I don't care how good it seemed how good you think it is how good it feels my favor is not on this relationship and it never will be because it's not my way and i wish i could tell y'all that i settled that it was over but it wasn't so i could go on with this story for hours really i concluded that i couldn't keep stay in my relationship there was no way i was comfortable living my truth i submitted to the idea that jesus christ is the way the truth of the life and i came to the conclusion that the only way i was going to experience peace the only way I was going to experience God's favor, the only way I was going to truly be happy is if I submitted to Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. And now I'm here after she and I had broken up so many times, after I'd cried and prayed and was angry with God and tried to walk away from God so many times. Now I'm here in this place, still processing, still trying to find a way to move on, still trying to find a way to let go. But I'm recording this because I want to encourage somebody because sometimes you let go of things that are good, that feel good, that from the outside looking in are good. And it can be something that doesn't make sense to you or to anyone else to let go of. You can be in a relationship with a good person, but it's not someone that God affirms or approves. And it don't have to be a, a gay relationship. It can be a relationship with somebody that you're not equally yoked with. You can be in a relationship with another Christian and not be equally yoked, let alone be in a, in a relationship with someone who's clearly not Christian. So there, there could be so many things that we consider good, but our good is not God's good. And the only thing that's giving me comfort right now is one of the things that's giving me comfort is that the Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from God. And I just have to believe that even though my partner was better than good, that God and all that he has, for who he is in and of himself is better than better than good. God is the very best. And the only thing that he has in store for me is the very best. And so I step out on faith. I have decided to trust him and to believe him with my life, to trust him and believe him with my desires, with my need, to hear my cries, to see my cries and to heal me and help me to to process this experience and to be useful for him so that at the end of the day 
God gets the glory from all of this. I didn't want to leave my partner. I didn't want to lose her as my fiance. And I didn't want to lose her as my friend. I We never had intentions of separating. But that's what happened. And it's because I couldn't achieve peace. I wish I could have created some form of peace but it didn't work i wish i could apologize to her and tell her that i'm you know i'm so sorry i I wish i could tell her i wish i could explain this to her in a way that matters but i don't know if it would make a difference because when someone's heart's broken they they almost don't care why you do what you do and i have a feeling that's the space that she's in she don't want to deal with me because we went back and forth in this thing for about seven years but i just wanted to share this story to try to encourage myself and like I said to encourage other people so I guess I should encourage you the encouragement comes in and saying that Jesus said that no one gives up anything for his sake who isn't rewarded in this life and the life to come and he highlights no one gives up houses or children or wife or businesses or something like that and I think it's in Luke 18 Luke 18, 23 or something like that. But he says, no one gives up anything for my sake and is not rewarded. And I just held on to that. And it actually occurred to me yesterday when I woke up frustrated and sad because I woke up alone because my partner wasn't with me because I lost my partner and we were in a good place. And when I was ready to cry and when I wanted to felt like in my soul, I wanted to turn my back on God again and just say, screw all this screw live and love enrichment, screw own your singleness, screw this Christian thing. When I was like in my feelings, basically, I remember the Holy Spirit brought back to my remembrance. No one who gives up anything for my sake is not rewarded in this life and the life to come. I desire to be married. My partner was someone that I wanted to marry. She just happened to be a woman. I believe that part of the calling that God has on my life is to be married. I believe that I will be married one day. And if God is doing it, then my spouse will be a male. And with that, I believe that I will one day experience the extraordinary benefits of being in a relationship and doing things God's way. Everything that I thought was so good about the relationship I had with my ex, I believe by faith will be much better in the relationship that I'm going to have with the man that God approves and affirms to be my partner. And not only that, I believe that having walked away from my partner, having sacrificed her so that I could live in Christ going God's way will result in benefits in every other area of my life, not just in my romantic relationships, but every area of my life. And if I'm being honest, I'm already experiencing those benefits. I do have peace. It doesn't mean my heart's not broken. It doesn't mean I don't have bad days, but I have peace. And that peace surpasses my understanding because I'm able to go on and not cry. I'm able to get up out of bed every single day. I'm able to pray. I'm able to focus on the things that God puts on my heart to focus on. I'm able to achieve my goals and complete my task and focus on the assignment and live and love well because I have peace. And so if you are in a relationship that God has been calling you out of for a long time, or that he's calling you out of right now, and it may not even be a long time. If you're in a relationship like that, I encourage you to let it go. It doesn't have to be a gay relationship. Everybody in the world's not gay. I'm not talking to gay people. I'm talking to everybody. But if the Holy Spirit has been calling you to end a relationship, change your path, change your ways, I think it's important 
that you heed that call because like Jesus said no one who gives anything up for me is not rewarded in this life now to be fair I know that all these rewards aren't going to be material and they're not going to be demonstrated in the ways that we would like you know we like stuff we like relationships we like stuff like that but just the reward of spiritual maturity spiritual strength you know spiritual valor those are blessings too a greater relationship with god intimacy with god those are blessings too what did david say he said don't take your presence away from me just being in god's presence is a blessing too so you may experience material blessings or you may experience immaterial blessings but you don't even focus on those you focus on the kingdom of God and when you give up anything for God's sake that is focusing on the kingdom of God and just like he says in Matthew 6 33 when you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness all the things will be added to you it says delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart and so those are the kind of things that you have to keep at the forefront of your mind when you don't understand why God will call you out of something good why God will tell you to quit something that's been working for you. When God will tell you to do something that you don't understand how that would be good for you. It can be a job. It can be a relationship. It could be a habit. It could be your address. He could tell you to give up all kinds of things. And you may not understand it. But he's the one who is sovereign. He knows all good and perfect things come from him. And when you seek him, there is a reward. There's a, a reward for this life and the life to come. And those are the kind of things that you can hold on to while you're being processed through the pain, while you don't understand at all that's happening. Those are the kinds of hope that you can hold on to and just hold on to the hope you have in Jesus, period. Not knowing what's next, not knowing if you'll ever receive, but just hold on to the faith because the Bible says, don't grow weary in well-doing. And the, the one way that I've learned not to get weary in doing good and leaving my partner my ex-partner alone is by making a decision to go God's way and to believe Jesus when he says he's the way the truth and the life and if you want to live and love well you must embrace Jesus Christ as the way the truth and the life and make that decision every single day to love him with all your heart with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Because if you don't decide to do that, trust and believe, you're going to end up doing what you want to do. You're going to live your truth, do things your way, and you certainly going to live your life. And what has that gotten you? I hope you felt encouraged by this. And if nothing else, I hope you were somewhat entertained by my story. I think my voice probably put most of y'all to sleep, but I just wanted to put this out there. And I just pray I pray that it ministers to the people it's supposed to minister to because it's helping me to share this story. And while I feel like I want to cry right now, I'm going to go on because of the hope that's set before me. And I choose to hope in Christ. And I pray that you do the same. Thank you for tuning in with me today on the Own Your Singleness podcast. My name is Jessica Ann Hutton. Whether this is your first time or if you're coming back for more, I encourage you to subscribe to the podcast so you can listen to some great content, have fun, laugh a little, learn, and just feel empowered to live and love well. It would also help if you left a review. I invite you to go wherever you're listening to this episode and leave us a comment and review the show. Tell me what you love about the episode or better yet, tell me what you want to hear more about in the future. And then finally, if you'd like to receive daily 
daily inspiration, encouragement, and strategies to live and love well. And if you're eager to connect with people who are on a similar journey, then join the Own Your Singleness Facebook group. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. I provided links to each platform in the description. Until next time, live well now and love well daily. God bless.